reading a blog about the evils of corporate America. Oh, so true. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, it's incredible. We should go to college. Yeah, let's wait till Bernie makes it free. Wait, if everything in Portland is weird, isn't weird normal? 48 minutes of dogs barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 48 minutes of dogs barking. God, life's. I mean, like, I, I, like, I was like actually like thinking in the car on the way here. I'm just like, life is like, like, life is shit. I'm just not happy yeah. right now. There's like a handful of things that like really bring me joy, and one of them is doing this podcast, and the other one is sometimes like putting on booty shorts and like <laughs> Angel Olsen and like making dinner for my girlfriend to like sad country Appalachian country music. Oh, uh, I love it. You know, when you got gams like these, it's a shame. Yeah, not I was to gonna say, yeah, don't don't hide your uh, light under a bushel, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I got some upsetting news this week, Brian. What's up, Jordan Peterson? Docs to me at my place of work. You know, you and I have talked about. It. I work at the Dick Sucking Factory LLC. Well, apparently, they. Uh, oh, yeah, that footage <laughs> of you testing out the new model. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he qu- he he tweets there such fun and unbelievable techno nightmare CCP hell. Well, he doesn't realize that the Dick Sucking Factory LLC is actually based in you know all of that. But um, <laughs> but here's uh, a here's was, the footage. They, they it almost got taken down by the Costco development <laughs> right there at seventy. <laughs> almost. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of guys in in a hospital type environment uh, having their dinks sunk on by machines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, um, Sorry, this is on. A there loop are amazing like things happening in China. <laughs> <laughs> they are on the threshold of the future. Yeah. So apparently, he did post that for real because the confirmation came from Michaela Peterson, <laughs> his daughter, who responded, "Dad." You can't retweet this on Twitter. My eyes will never recover. Well, wasn't she the one that like shipped her her father off to Russia to get some weird experimental treatment that put him <laughs> to in get a him coma? off benzos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. It was Why it was, was actually... at at console man who who saved the footage and just posted incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think that broke everyone's brains because uh, I saw someone I follow on Twitter say that the i i really do not need to see any more jordan peterson stuff yeah um at yeah. this point it's no longer funny it's just sad and yeah I'm like, no it's still funny no it's very funny it's, it's very, very funny, funny that he's probably in a k-hole or something just posting whatever he's in his goon he's gooning <laughs> he's like he's like gooning but for like return stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh ecto cooler <laughs> Gary Coleman. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making my George Pearson sound like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Look what they're doing in the hellscape in the CCP. <laughs> it's, why would he automatically assume that it's some Chinese thing? I don't know, but yeah, just because uh... the pieces weren't very big. <laughs> I mean, they were average size, but the guys are kind of overweight, I, so it was a fifty-fifty. I used to work with a guy who sounded like Mickey Mouse. Oh no. <laughs> but he was like a, a, an older dude with man tits that drove a truck. Oh. I remember he hated one of the managers so much 
one of the college kids we had one summer was like telling me like yeah i was in the truck with him and uh I, we saw such and such walking across the the street and he just goes that guy's a fucking joke that guy right there he's a fucking joke and i was like no you didn't do the right voice and then from everyone's going that guy right there he's a fucking joke the fucking joke <laughs> and everyone lost their fucking mind and like he would come out and be like really frustrated with something he goes those motherfuckers they haven't given me a raise in 10 years i worked so hard for these people pieces of shit yeah just oh man that sounds like a hoot man. all they're doing in there is counting their money and thinking about how they're gonna fuck me over oh huh? uh, well you need to unionize Mickey. that's all i'm gonna <laughs> tell you about that so uh, an interesting piece of footage was released this week miami-dade state attorney drops charges against a man who fired 11 times. In a... <laughs> they dropped the charges? Yeah, in a 2021 uh, road rage incident. I remember so... seeing this original video, and like this guy has poor, just for shooting wildly, wildly, is doing a poor job at it. Well, my favorite part is actually the opening. He's listening to some random techno song, and he's doing the thing where you're just like making up lyrics, and he's going, Suck my dick, suck my dick, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And then he sees this guy, he brake checks him, and then, like, he calmly opens the, the console, pulls out this little pistol, and then, like, hides it on his person, tucks it in, you know, close to him. Yeah. And then he just, without rolling down the windows, fires fucking 11 rounds, just, brap, brap, brap. This, this right here, this video. And he's wincing and blink and, like, closing his eyes. He wasn't planning on hitting anything. <laughs> just a it's really fucking weird. So why they drop charges? I have no idea. Uh, it, it, that part is really baffling to me, but the footage came up again, and it really, I, I immediately thought, like, somebody gave Stavi Baby a gun. <laughs> He's going, suck my dick, suck my dick, <laughs> to the techno music. Yeah. <laughs> thing to to have come up on your feed at random this guy just blind firing like literally he's closing his eyes and wincing as he's blind firing yeah from it's his not, passenger it's, side to the front it's not even like he's like leading or anything no no it's just like it's he's one-handed because he's got his other hand on the wheel <laughs> he's just pop 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 <laughs> what a fucking asshole just like really you brake check the guy and then you're gonna pop a fucking 11 shots i at mean him? here's the thing is like usually if what I like to do is brake check someone sure. in, in the, the leftmost lane. Right. And it's always a guy in a Beamer. Oh, always. But the best part to do is when you get in the lane to your right, you get mm. a semi. Yeah. He's got nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah, look, look at me. In my, look, suck my dick. I'm in my <laughs> busted-ass fucking Toyota. And, like, you got nowhere to go, Mr. fucking uh, 5 Series. Yeah, well, that 5 Series guy might fucking open up on you, so you got to watch yourself <laughs> if, if Miami is <laughs> uh, any... Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm not. On, I, that usually doesn't happen on seventy. Yeah, well, that seems, that seems to be. More, geez, we're getting into real some like local. Yeah, yeah. Some local culture here, but like Highway seventy. I think when you hear about someone like just randomly firing at another car, <laughs> is usually Highway seventy for some reason. Yeah, that that is true. It's just I don't know what it is about that place. But. I mean, Highway seventy also kind of. I mean, that's why I don't have a gun. I think Highway seventy has definitely brought out some. 
I can see it. Yeah, I can definitely see uh, if I had, if I had a little little twenty two in the dash, I'd be like, "Hey, uh, what's up?" <laughs> I get it, is what I'm saying. But I also Your Joy ninety one FM sticker is just <laughs> is just a target for me. Another weird bit of lore from the internet. Apparently, yeah. there are a number of sites ripping off the porn dude. Right, are yeah. you familiar with the porn dude? Unfortunately, I am. Yeah, I'm a I'm, well, I'm a man of, of wealth and taste. Exactly. So, uh, user at triple x underscore red, <laughs> it makes sense. Just posted this this series of images, and it's all these anime or animated avatars. They of... look like uh, the the son from uh, American Dad. <laughs> Some of them do. Yeah. Yeah, some of them look like. I mean, some of them look like Seth Green got a, went to a caricaturist. Yeah. You know, so. Are Are you familiar what the porn dude is? I know what the porn dude is. Yeah, it's like an aggregator, right? Well, I, what I know of, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but it is a guy with the fucking head on, like oh. a, like a like a fucking mascot head. Oh, that's right. Okay, it's I, really upsetting. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> Brian is right. There, there is a video series of of the porn dude. It's a guy with like a mascot head, and he go, goes and shoots a scene with a girl. <laughs> it's really, it's one of those things where like I don't, I don't think we need this. I think we need more pee. I think we need more pee on the internet. <laughs> well, so there's there's other sites that are aggregators. Uh, the porn geek, Mister Porn Geek, uh, Porn Dork. Pornmemo.com, Bachelor Blog, Best List of Porn, Porn Guide, Porn List Dude, Dude Thrill. <laughs> Dude Thrill's icon is my favorite because it looks like he's a swanky bartender polishing an eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are, you, what are you having? Oh, a dick? All right. Uh, jerk Dude. Find Best Porno, Porn Video List, and FindBear.com. Now, that kid in the FindBear.com icon... Oh no! Oh no! It's it looks he looks like one of the Jinko kids. Yeah, is that you remember that? You remember I the, do. the Jinko cartoon characters? Right. It does he eerily looks, eerily similar. That is that is very upsetting. So apparently, there's a, an entire lore involved with this. For example, the porn dude has a rivalry with the porn geek, to the point where the porn dude created an unflattering fat imposter version of him. Porn Geek, not Mr. Porn Geek. Mr. Porn Geek is is what appears to be a very angry Asian man grasping at air, uh, looking at his his iPad. But uh, but Porn Geek, on the other hand, is essentially a, a South Park caricature of the fedora wearing uh, a horn dog. Just the porn dude, porn geek. My gay porn sites, uh, my gay sites uh, does appear to be the same artist. That's not so. <laughs> Completely apropos of nothing. I saw this image and was like, this is really weird. These are. And I heard that capitalism bred innovation. Hmm. But uh, this seems to prove uh, the opposite. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, porn dude like guys have an entire. <laughs> porn webmasters. <laughs> so apparently. We're really getting into like the golden age of jacking it. Oh yeah, yeah. These these guys, they're like they got. This is the the porn version of like a web ring, you know. <laughs> when you uh, when you go onto the website, it plays like a fifteen second midi of the South Park theme. 
yeah that that does what it, i mean it's just it's an island and there's like porn webmasters there there's an inflatable doll and it's just it was so bizarre i had to make mention of it the horn dude oh porn dude That's, i like horn dude better i'm disappointed <laughs> I, do, I do too so yeah the the Courtesy of Mega the Vile on Twitter, finding out old, from old screenshots that the porn dude used to be drawn as a nerd. Then that Mr. Porn Geek guy came along and made a site similar to him. So the porn dude started drawing his mascot as a buff Chad in retaliation. <laughs> the first reply is maybe he hit the gym, got on the grind set. You know? <laughs> I'm still the porn dude, but, you know, I can squat 250 or whatever, you know, whatever he's going to say. Ah, yes. Here's another bit of news. Joe Rogan, our our mutual uh, friend. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, uh, friend of the pod, Joe Rogan. I think the Tall Bart Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast AI videos are some of my favorite things in the world. I feel like I've sent you a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, check. One, two, check. Check, check and check. Does it sound good? Check, 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 check. check. check one, are we two, ready check. to go? Check. How are check. my levels? Check. Oh my one, fucking two, God. Check. It sounds one, fine. Can we move on? We're checking the levels, Jordan. Yeah, Jordy. Learn a little patience. Learn a little patience, Jordan. I hate this new dynamic. Why do I have to be the reasonable one? More like, why do you have to be the little bitch one? Home run, Joe. That was off the dome. All right. Got his dickless ass. Hey, are you kids recording? Yeah, what's up? How are my levels? Fine. You sound fine. What do you want? Jordan. What? I got one. Oh, no. Bencoin's gone to the fucking moon. You guys seen this shit? For technical and liability reasons, it's Bencoin 2.0. Who fucking cares what it's called? You're fucking rich. Maybe on paper. I'm not cashing out. What? Why not? Kid, you're a millionaire. I'm going down with the ship. Jordan, would you rather suck a donkey's balls for 10 minutes or work one night in a soup kitchen serving your fellow man? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of the few things I'm really enjoying right now. Like, yeah. There, oh, there's a new one. My poor girlfriend will be like sitting on the couch and I'll be like a new one dropped and I have to make her watch it. She's got to sit through it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just a great, I'm a great partner. Like, yeah. hey, here's this thing I think you find mildly annoying and you're too comfortable <laughs> to get up and go to the other room. I do that to my wife all the time. <laughs> I'm like, hey, babe, check this out. The play something she goes cool and looks back down at her phone, <laughs> completely disinterested it's, it's fine you know like we have different interests you know like she went and did gardening like all day the other day i was like this oh, man, is what you want to do right. i guess but joe rogan in the news <laughs> back to the original no it's it there's it relates joe rogan officially opened the doors of his anti-woke comedy club in austin texas Wow. Yeah. So brave. Mm. The Ritz Theater off 6th Street in Austin. Opening night did not disappoint, according to Newsmax. You got (laughs) to just put that out there. It's Newsmax. Opening night Tuesday did not disappoint, with a lineup featuring several canceled comedians, including David Lucas, Ron White, Tom Dillon, Tony Hinchcliffe, and Roseanne Barr. Sure wasn't Tim Dillon? Tim Dillon. Did I say... Did I say Tom Dillon? He said Tom Dillon. I Tom Dillon. I was Tom reading... Dillon sounds like a really bad mustard. It does. No, I was reading Tony Hitchcliffe, and I guess I fucked that up. All right. You're fine. I'm drunk and on mushrooms in my new club. This is as high as I've ever been on stage, Rogan said, as he took the stage Tuesday night. So apparently he was emceeing and introducing all the acts at his club. Uh, the outlet in question, New York Post, cited that Rogan as saying he aimed to create a safe space for comedians to share their humor without a fear of being canceled. You can't fire me from my own club, bitch, he said. 
Yeah. You know, I I think a really great bit if you were like a comedian that's quote unquote canceled and you were like yeah. performing there is just like walk up on stage with like the Friars Club like 1984 like roast joke book <laughs> and just be like, all right, we're moving over to Jewish American princesses. <laughs> Roseanne Barr, by the way, called it a mothership for comedians. Quote, it's so great to be in the green room with everybody up there being drunk and smoking pot, which, of course, is Rogan's club. Of course, he's good. Yeah, you guys are you guys ever done DMT and said the N-word? <laughs> Apparently, Roseanne has. Jamie, Jamie, get us that list of slurs from Wikipedia. <laughs> are they alphabetical? Sort it by alphabetical, Jamie. But did you, but did you hear the mm-hmm. rules of his club? I did not catch that, no. Uh, is been reported mm-hmm. i have not had this backed up in a more legitimate way but uh that when you enter they scan your face and then you have to no. put your phone in a faraday box no and you can't record anything and if you like you heckle or anything like that you're banned for life what yeah that's even stupider so again like the whole like anti-cancel culture thing sure sounds like the thing it's trying to like not be yeah Holy shit! Oh Jesus! You got to put your phone in a Faraday cage. Uh, you gotta, you gotta. You get can't your... take any videos or anything like that. No, There's like no recording. Right? Because you and don't want like, the guys yeah, to get canceled you... again. Yeah. You don't want Roseanne to start yelling the God, God forbid! Day. God forbid! Tim Dillon talks about how he wished he had gotten molested as a kid <laughs> again. Again? Yeah, that's what. Well, no, not that telling telling like a story about it again. Not that uh, he got. I'm molested as a child. I understood what you meant. I, I, yeah. I think I think for him it was a is a point a sore spot that he was not molested when he was a young hot fuckable child. In his words, I have to sit with that one. I don't even remember that. Jesus Christ! Uh, it was on when he was on Come Town. Uh, okay, which, that makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah, that seems yeah. to be the kind of joke he would make when surrounded by those guys. One of those episodes is the one that gave us Pierre Saint Pierre. Oh. <laughs> well, how are they gonna know about it, Sarge? But don't tell them. <laughs> listening to that on the way to new orleans yes. to go see stav perform in new orleans fantastic choice yeah. choice deep fried gasoline <laughs> well i'm headed to uh, new orleans this friday so that's that's yes yeah, so i'm apparently heading there some point this year with wonderful. my girlfriend so wonderful i'm excited i love new orleans a twitter user at dj ben hameen who goes by big dj energy has anyone ever admitted to themselves that John Wick is a complete psychopath and the main villain of the series? We talked on the show before about I've never seen the John Wick movie, so uh Okay. Well, I know I know he holds the gun in that cool way <laughs> at the side. Yeah. Um but... and uh they killed his dog. Yep. That's pretty much all you need to know about the movie. He's a former assassin for hire Mm -hmm. he retired to be with his wife the wife died he's alone in his house a russian gangster's kid uh, tries to steal his car and he says no he steals the car anyway kills the dog uh it's a whole thing so he sets out on a quest for revenge right yeah and and, but it's we're now approaching a fourth killed my dog (laughs) reeves has gotten so much better with age like at actual acting that i think like yeah, okay, that's who it is, but he's better than that. Uh, but yeah, it's a... It's, it's Dracula? A, <laughs> Whoa, Dracula. It's, it's hard. A, it, look, it's, it's, listen, it's, that movie is so interesting and captivating, but every right. single time he's on screen, it's just like, what? Well, considering who he's 
playing against most of the time. Yeah, Harry he's so, fucking Oldman. Uh, like uh, just everyone, everyone. He's every, he's outclassed by everyone in that film. Anthony Hopkins, like you, you. you that's not fair. You can't put. <laughs> Yeah, but wow, that guy whoa, up against the lady yeah. doth protest uh, too much. Right. Anyway, the, the <laughs> point of this post is that this person, you know, I've talked about media literacy not being a thing in the United States, and apparently this person also does not understand that just because a character is the main character of a movie, that it does not mean true. that they're a good person. Yeah. Yeah. So John Wick is a psychopath. I'm like, well, he's an assassin. Let's start there. A former assassin. Folks, he kills people for money. Right. He's not giving candy to homeless kids. (laughs) And even if he was... (laughs) Another movie-related thing did crop up this week, a a R-rated trailer for the upcoming sex comedy No Hard Feelings. Have you seen this, Brian? I haven't. Okay, so I'm going to play it for you briefly. Grow up! The kid is unfuckable. Have a drink together. He'll have a Long Island iced tea. This is the worst iced tea I've ever had. So, <laughs> okay, you know what? Uh, Raunchy sex comedies. I love them, and I love that they're I feel like back. I feel it's, like we haven't had a good one in a while. I think the last good one I saw was probably Cockblockers, which has Jeez. been a while. It was John Cena in that. John's, uh, are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm here to uh, uh, block the cocks. <laughs> yeah, that one and the the uh, the to do list of the last two like mm-hmm, sex mm-hmm. comedies I really remember. Yeah, I mean that looks like it has some legs. And uh, the fact that Jennifer Lawrence is kind of branching out into like you know nasty comedy, I'm like she cool. gave us she gave us the phrase science oven, so like I don't That's, feel like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's I guess it's not that far fetched I suppose, but like but then it struck me it's like oh wait wasn't there a thing oh did we did we fall for viral marketing Jason yeah we did we absolutely did yeah there was oh. a there was a bit. Of, I remember uh, this going around. I go, I don't care. I don't yeah, give a shit. I'm not. Right. I'm not clicking this. No, it was. It was. I don't care if it's the seeker of immortality spelled out in this article. <laughs> I, I, I'll just throw me in the fucking dirt with the rest of them. Yeah. So it was a, it was a fake ad about date my son for a car that turned out to be a bit of viral marketing for this movie. She's. Uh, oh, it's like that Nine Inch Nails record. Oh, except it's a sex movie. I don't know. It's just uh, that to me was like. Why do you even need to do that? That feels very uh, like 2005, like yeah. MySpace ad thing. Try hard shit. Like it's Jennifer Lawrence in a sex comedy. I'm going to see that on day one. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, she's funny. I'm, I'm going to be jelking <laughs> in my in my in my seat. That's not what I was saying, but all right. I mean, you know, like absolutely I, just just knowing all the people in front of me because I just won't stop shooting white hot ropes over their heads, okay, getting into right. their popcorn. <laughs> And they're like, oh, this popcorn is a little bit more salty than usual. This is why I don't go to the movies with you. <laughs> Put a little, here, give, me, give me about three minutes, no. and I'll make your popcorn taste even better, no. Jason. Oh. oh, baby. That's the 48 minutes of dogs barking riff of the week. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I suddenly have nothing to say. That you, know, you know what's a fun thing yeah. to do? What's that? Walk into a room and go, what smells like cum? Oh, and, and then you go. Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you should wash. You should wash your dick before you pull your pants back. That up. is true. That's that's. You know what? That's advice everyone could could live by. Yeah. 
so that <laughs> I don't know that that struck me as particularly funny because like there's no need to guerrilla market that that's pretty yeah, marketable. I feel, on I its feel own. like that kind of sells itself. Yeah, I think it's about time that we talk about. I got a twofer tonight. A twofer. Um, yeah, crypto scams of the week. You're listening to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, the podcast. And now it's time for the Crypto Scam of the Week. What you got for me, uh, Crypto Scam Daddy? We have the one that you brought to me. The Euler? Kyber, Kyber. swap. Uh, so, everything. I mean, everything's getting fucking exploited right now. I can't that's even true. fucking keep track of it. First and foremost is going to be Kyber Swap. Kyber Swap is a... I don't really even know what it is. What, what is it like a marketplace? What is it like a clearinghouse? What do they? What exactly do they? They do. How I am made to understand? It, it's kind of like one inch, where it aggregates all the different liquidity pools among, I believe, different dexes. Okay. Um. So like it would be like Uniswap and like you know Shiba Swap and like, uh, I'm trying to think what else is. I'm trying to think of anything comparable, but like, so it goes and sees what gets you the best rate of return for what your, your exchange it gives you the best exchange rate. And so in this instance, when USDC, which I don't think has ever depegged before lost its peg, someone tried, was it selling $2 million worth? They were swapping that for another token. They were trying to get out of three uh, CRV tokens priced at about 1.9 mil for stable coins using Kyber Swap. Uh, this is courtesy of Web3 is going great. Yeah, th- th- that was their breakdown of it. Due to an apparent flaw in which the protocol routed the trade through a project with very little liquidity, the trade suffered from massive slippage and was front run by an MEV bot. An MEV bot made off with a nice thirty-four thousand, and the trader wound up with only five cents in the tether stable coin. Yeah, you know what? We make fun of crypto shit all the time, but God, that's a real kick in the nuts. That's somebody got really hosed. That's fucking miserable. But also, when you go to, you know, say okay, this trade, you you have to verify this trade is good. Yeah, you would have gotten visual confirmation. Like if you do this trade, you may only get five cents. Right. That feels like, oh, it's a flaw in the protocol. No, it's kind of also a flaw in somebody not doing their diligence. Yeah, you know well, I mean? like, also, what a fucking uh, knee-jerk reaction, because USD USDC is already, I think, refound its peg. Right. So, like... This is the timing sucked. Yeah. Someone got fucking emotional in their trading. Right. And so, you're, so they also still have lost a, technically, a ton of money going from, you know... Well, they lost like a four percent difference, I guess. Yeah, to go from like ninety six cents to a you know something that's supposed to be a you know one tether equals one dollar and all that stuff. Right, and according to some of the Twitter comments, the issue is that the aggregator routed the trade through Uniswap instead of Curve, and Uniswap at the time had no liquidity, and so that was so even if the transaction was private, the outcome would have been the same. It just it was a it was sloppy on all sides essentially, and KyberSwap yeah. did reach out to the user and they're trying to make them whole. So we're we're hoping that that doesn't stick. Like, cause boy, whew. that's fucking miserable. On it is. So it's many just levels. it's just terrible. But this is yeah. also what happens when you play in markets that have like no regulation, and yeah. some of this stuff is literally like 
code that's sometimes like it's taken off Fiverr. Right. And like, you know, it's people like duct taping shit together, yeah. hoping that then they can get to a place where they actually can hire some real coders and make it legitimate. Well, I mean, back know? in September, KyberSwap had a problem where somebody inserted malicious code into the front end and it took off with a quarter mil of user funds. Yeah. So, I mean, just like their code's obviously not that great. And we've known that for a while now. You yeah. Know? Like, it's just, it feels like at a certain point, you, you kind of walked right into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you chose this swap, you know, this this company to swap with. and, and you, Also, what size to be trading with? Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. two, was it 2.8 million? 2.8, or 1.95 mil. Yeah. Okay, 1.5. Yeah. Well, even then, it's like, a lot. That's you know, lot. you, you got to, you know, you got to average out. Like if you, most projects, most, if you wanted to sell $2 million of, of a project, I mean, even Ethereum at once, like you're going to get some congestion. You're going to find. There's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, for what, what, first of all, that person must've been losing their fucking mind to do something so stupid because you wanted <laughs> yeah. to get out of that position. You would have DCA'd, you would have averaged it out. You would have spaced it out right. instead of just selling the whole fucking lump because you have to have the volume to come back in, right. replace your cell, and then you can taper yourself out. Yeah, because I think the transaction they were looking to do was to replace whatever coin they had, this three CRV, yeah. with with a stable coin, USDC, like you said. But like, it's a huge order. I mean, that's a lot. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused. I thought they were trying to sell the USDC. No, they got fucked. no, they were trying to swap an existing coin oh, okay. for a stable coin, but it routed through a project that had no liquidity, and so they they lost everything. They lost everything. So, yeah. but Kyber, like I said, has admitted that that was on their end, and they're trying to make them whole. So here's here's hoping, you know, knock wood that 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 person's made whole. Because boy, it seems like a pretty easy mistake to make. Right, if you're not super experienced or you're trading emotionally. Most of the time when I hear something like that, it's like a couple hundred bucks. Like right. someone didn't realize that there was a, a bot or a sniper that was watching that project waiting for someone to come through right? And, and fuck up your shit. There's definitely a lot of blame to go around, but I think, like I said, Kyber is pretty much owned up to the fact that it was on them. Um, yeah, I mean... So I wouldn't necessarily call that a scam, but it definitely... Falls into sketchy territory, you know what I mean? Serious. Like it's a, it's one of those things. But we do have our second one. Uh, definitely, it was a rug pull, and it has been called as such by CoinDesk. <laughs> <laughs> Arbitrum DEX Arbiswap rug pulls users for over hundred thousand. So yeah, their their native Arby tokens fell from a dollar fifty to a fraction of a cent. That's that's very, wild very fast. because yes. uh, I think Arby has been one of the big degenerate chains for this bear cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, BNB was 2021. Mm -hmm. People tried fucking around with Avalanche, had some success. Saul, but Saul keeps fucking not working. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's some diehards on there and I'm sure some of them will get rich and others will lose their shirt. But most of the fucking degens or degenerates that I fucking track on Twitter and stuff like that were really big into that chain. And I think we're also really big into that swap and like, huh, yeah, it doesn't seem doesn't seem to be working out. 
So yeah, a little bit about RB Swap. They offered swapping of various cryptos for low fees on its platform, and their advertising included giving back 100% of all generated revenue to holders of RB, which is their own coin. Rogue developers, according to Coindesk, which I don't believe for a second, but rogue developers controlled the project's liquidity pools, and they uh, literally pulled the rug, so they swapped... Yeah, blockchain data shows that the developers minted 1 billion fake tokens, swapping these for USDC and then for 69 ETH, which was the $100,000 uh, price tag nice. on the top there. So yeah, <laughs> rogue pro, rogue developers. No, pretty sure that that feels pretty <laughs> it feels pretty intentional. I don't know. It's one of those things where like you never really can know for sure. Um, and of course, RBSwap has declined to comment. Uh <laughs> Because why would you? Yeah, when you've already <laughs> got your 100K, why would you? Uh... Right. Uh, after investors had purchased the tokens in hope of a positive return, the developers closed shop, removed liquidity, and they are gone. So, yeah, we're, we're not having hope there. Man, that's a classic rug pull. I mean, that is the textbook definition, if you really want to go there. Yeah, that that's for later. Hold on. <laughs> so, Brian, I think it's time for our main topic tonight. I got a lot to say about this I've been website. listening to Chillwave all day. Yes. Getting excited <laughs> for, for this topic. I've been uh, wondering what it means to be authentic. Oh, uh, yeah. And to be a meme. <laughs> and I just really, you know, I, I was getting actually a little bit in my feels because I realized I was no longer living a life worth blogging about. That's true. What Brian and I are talking about today is, of course, Hipster Runoff, formerly abbreviated as HRO, run by the pseudonymous Carl's. <laughs> um, not Charles, Carl's. Carl's. That's right. 2007 is when that blog first came about. It only ran for about five, six years. Yeah. Well, no, I want to say, well, let me do my math here. It's probably it's seven seven years. I think 2014 is when yeah, it formally kinda. took a dive. But yeah, the uh, wonderful well, it's, stuff. It's when no, I, think, I think that's when Am Appy stopped being trend. Am <laughs> Appy, that's American Apparel, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I I still I read a hipster runoff for years, and every once in a while, I'll still be like, "Who's Anco? Oh yeah, Animal Collective, the band." Yeah. Like we were kind of trying to figure out what to do this week, and you were like, "Oh, maybe we should do hipster runoff this time." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I started like thinking about it. I'm like, "Oh, hipster runoff is so illustrative of a very weird." point of my life well and a very specific time on the internet too like yeah. the, the rise of pitchfork and all those kind of well i mean carl's themselves even said you know blog scene like there was a whole yeah genre. i mean this was this was hipster off came about the time where like people were getting like press passes to south by because they're like google analytics looked really good to press you know people that were <laughs> the gate holders and stuff oh yeah unlike other stuff that we've covered in previous episodes, there's a lot because Carl's was a prolific writer. Yeah. So there's a lot to cover there, but there's also been a lot of articles about hipster runoff in the intervening years. Uh, motherboard, uh, which is the vice sub vertical, I think is the term that the VCs want you to use. Okay. Ver sorry. It's the vice vertical. Um, so yes, Carl's was hipster of the decade, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hipster of the decade. Courtesy of Gawker, <laughs> with 32% of the vote, he smashed the runner-up Gavin McGinnis by a full 10%. And thank God, 
that he did. Um, amazing. What do you think Gavin McGettis would have done? Uh, try to put a dildo off his ass again? I was going to say again? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gay. Yeah. <laughs> I just like it. it makes you feel it makes you feel tight. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's 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 true. There have been some interesting articles. Hipster United did a investigative expose trying to dox Carl's essentially. Carl's their identity was never really known formally because they never really did one of those things like where uh, Jeb Lund, for example, came out and was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. Destructo." Exactly. And... Yeah, there there was never something like that. But oh gosh, you know we should talk about Mr. Destructo. Sometime. We will have to. Yes, <laughs> putting it on the list. Oh, Tao Lin. Ugh. Stylistically, they claim Tao Lin blogs like Carl's talks slash blogs. Compare the writing of the post on his blog with Carl's first post. You know. Uh, uh, compare the paragraphs like they're really going into that now they don't have any definitive proof they just say you know Talon and Carl's have an intensifying on, on online relationship New Yorker even <laughs> New York Magazine excuse me even went into this their article headline Talon is maybe probably not the hipster runoff guy <laughs> So nobody really knows, you know. You know, in a way, it was kind of a spiritual successor to what like Buddyhead was doing with oh, for sure, with yeah. like the the gossip page. And it was also really weird because like the, I think the real heyday of Hipster Runoff was definitely like two thousand nine, like two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. Yeah, and it was really weird reading Hipster Runoff and then being like, oh, that person is playing the Firebird tomorrow, <laughs> or like you know, I remember uh, Toro Waimoi, you know, the total yes. chill wave thing, and like. Uh, you know, kick his obsession with kickball Katie from Vivian Girls, and like, you know, and I'm watching kickball Katie trying to like not. I really hate to say this, but not cry because like the shitty fucking county kids that came to that Black Lips show were like oh. fucking just being really mean to the Vivian Girls, and they put on a fantastic set. Yeah, and they did not deserve that, and they deserve all the love in the world. And I have a signed poster of them in. My little apartment. You know, I don't know where I'm really going with this, but it was just like, but it was like really interesting to be like, oh, the one that always sticks with me is the fucking MA31, where he just repeats <laughs> "City is my church" like a fucking million times because that's how it is on the on and the knowing track, and yeah. knowing that MA3 had to reroute the entire tour behind that record in the U.S. just to avoid playing the Firebird because that record went fucking white hot. Yeah. They rerouted the whole fucking tour. So that MA3 would be at the pageant, which is right. a 2300 cap instead of the Firebird, right. which is like Me a 450 too. cap if yeah. you don't care about fire regulations. Hey, oh. <laughs> Hipster runoff always, to me, was like, oh, this is, this is fucking clickbait. And it's also satirizing that same scene while also being part of it. It was a very... It rode the line a lot. Like, yeah. There, there was a lot of that stuff where it was like, are you fucking with me or do you really believe that like animal collective was a band created for slash by the internet okay like animal collective in my opinion isn't all that great no i never understood the appeal no. i remember uh i have a friend named brandon what a high school friend and he was really obsessed with uh fucking animal collective i remember him playing me 
Animal Collective on a burnt CD <laughs> that I had to play on my disc man in my fucking yes. A8 Camry, which was my first car, in the fucking parking lot of the Mills Mall, Oof. and just being like, this is okay. Yeah. This is okay. I don't They're know. They're the most okayest the... band I've heard. Yeah. yeah, and he would like, you know, I remember him like going to Chicago and like getting to see them at show that had free kegs and all that, and I'm like, <laughs> that sounds cool. Like, I don't know. I like Black Dice a lot more because there's stories about them being the shell fucking frat boys. There is also that. Yes, that's a that's. A if I'm going to go for like weirdo music for guys that, with beards, they're blowing it. <laughs> but yeah, I like. I remember photographing uh, Animal Collective like ten years ago and just being like, "This is okay." Yeah, there's so many articles. You, me, and every concert we attend. How to grow older with concerts. <laughs> this was uh, 2009. He breaks down the eras of when you go to concerts and ha- some of this shit some of these writings are like damn that's fucking real dog um yeah because he's and know, then there's the one about what if the bird from the rat tap video was also at their shows to, inc- to like strengthen their brand right so <laughs> what if ratty tatty <laughs> ratty tatty yeah his obsession with lana del rey yeah was was really something well what really got me was Hipster Runoff Carl's was one of the first to talk about maybe Lana Del Rey is an industry plant. I mean, just as much as Wet Leg is. Right, but his his um. His... But I remember him. I remember him having articles where he was pondering the question, like, "Is this a really inauthentic thing?" And I actually remember, like, when I covered Lollapalooza, which would coming up on 10 years of that yeah. and talking with other photographers and stuff and then them being pissed that they had to go photograph Lana Del Rey who did feel very inauthentic and very put on like this was something that you would that that this was not something uh authentic this was like this was like the thing that you gotta walk past in your way to the grocery store to get to the shit you really want to get to yeah because I remember actually a couple photographers who I respect a lot all complained that their editors wanted them to go photograph Lana Del Rey <laughs> instead of Nine Inch Nails' first show in America in like five years. Right. Which is a valid point. Yeah, I, I went and photographed Nine Inch Nails and it was really weird, but it was awesome. Right. And now, of course, when I need it the most, the ar- web archive does not have my back here. Uh Perhaps so, Ratty Teddy pulled the cord. I think Ratty Teddy did pull the cord. Yeah, so, you know, the the last thing I remember about Hipster Runoff was that Sun Chips ran ads <laughs> for, like, their new eco-friendly bags. Do you remember this? I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and I just remembered that, one, that, that seemed like a really weird thing, and, two, I remember the backlash on the bags because they were so fucking loud. Yes, yes, yes. I don't. Uh, I I never. I wasn't in my in a sh- sun chips mood in that part of my li- in that part of my life. Right. But I just heard that from people like, yeah, the you know it's bad. And they're biodegradable, but like it fucking sounds like I'm walking through a wind tunnel. Jesus Christ. The Lana Del Rey bit. He wrote an entire article. Lana Del Rey exposed before she was alt, which was another one of his inventions. Yeah. Alt. Uh, she was a main failed mainstream artist without fake lips. And it is a very long article with with photos of her when she used to go by Lizzie Grant. And that felt like a real expose. Like, that felt like real journalism. You never knew with Hipster Runoff what the fuck you were going to get. Yeah, I mean, Buddyhead was the same way, too. You would either get something, like, really thoughtful and, Mm -hmm. like, with some 
some real bones behind it or you would literally get like uh here's uh an olsen twins phone number uh, i don't know if it's the one that's on coke or not so maybe you should give a call and, and ask Jesus. you know the, the feud that he started with donald glover when it was childish gambino first coming out oh, uh, yeah. which was a one-sided feud donald glover really didn't give a shit about him <laughs> but like yeah just he was he was kind of the antidote to very serious music journalism even or even like the super frivolous perez hilton shit yeah so so, it was it was kind of like what perez hilton actually like stood for something yeah it was so bizarre like he did an entire pictorial about a photo somebody snapped of alice glass from crystal castles with her skirt up like okay who did are we talking about uh, uh carl's oh, okay it was like all right so it was like what do you believe? Well, are, are, are you against the spectacle or do you feed off of it? Are you a part of it? Who the fuck knows? It was really, it was all over the place. You never really knew what the hell was going on. But this was the time, I think a little historical context is important for some of our younger listeners who may not have lived through this period. This was a time where things like the hype machine yeah. were a big deal. Now the hype machine was basically an aggregator of other music blogs and they would have links to downloads or whatever that would be on yeah. the front page or and, and there were music blogs by the by the score you couldn't you know swing a cat without hitting a, a music blog oh god so many mm. i remember remember music of the hour music of the hour yep which was, was a local music blog was. that i think got updated for like three months <laughs> like it was very interesting they started it and they got a little bit a little bit of smoke blown up their ass by mm -hmm. the rft and then like yeah everyone had a music blog i mean i mean I had one, and now I have one again. When I'm, I update when I'm like not so fucked up from long COVID that I can concentrate on things. Everyone had a fucking music blog ten, twelve years ago, right? And and this was hipster runoff to me was kind of the this is where this was all going. You know what I mean? Like the, here's this one person who's the only creator for the site, as far as I know. Again, sure, it's all pseudonymous. Could, could, could have been a ghostwriter. Could have been here and there. Could could have been a dozen ghost. Yeah. But what's interesting is that beyond the vapid shit, like here's an upskirt of Alice Glass or here's, you know, Lana Del Rey on a cover of something. Then it was like really weirdly philosophical posts. Like I said, the one about you and me and every concert we've ever been to where they're talking about like when you're in your 30s, you know, uh, <laughs> this is the post-college being supportive by your parents' era. Concerts are sad reminders of where your life is. Like, it got to the meat of something, like, but it was such a scatter shot. You could never really tell where he's gonna come. Yeah, from. Yeah, you could get something like that, or you could get a blog post that was "City is my church" in in bold <laughs> italic, you know, right, eight times in a row. Like an entire article about Vampire Weekend writing a a jingle, and about like, is this the death of culture? But he's not serious, you know? There's kind of like a wink in there. Like, I don't know. There were so many little linguistic, stylistic things that, that Carl's did that also really amused me. Like, they would say something. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm having drinks, and then it would be like, via the bartender. So, like, whatever the... <laughs> Right. You know, the bartender at the spin party. Whatever. You know, yeah. So like, but, you know, via hipster vibes with two Z's, you know, you never really 
could pin it down like that. <laughs> but there was still a, like anytime he was talking about a cute girl it was bb mm-hmm. you know like uh alice glass bb what are you gonna do about you know people taking pictures of your of your vagina or whatever just it's, it's such a weird i think what i liked about hipster runoff was that being a music photographer and being all around that stuff seeing yeah. that being a part of that part of the industry or the media you know, being the house photographer, a venue, mm-hmm. then being uh, freelance for, you know, various local and regional you know, shindigs. I got to see different sides of that. And it was always interesting. Like, it did suck. Yeah. Like, I, you know, um, <laughs> there I was a I'm, lot to joke about. There was a lot. To a lot of on. like people like, you know. I used to joke, you know, there was a local band here called the Brainstems. Yeah. And, you know, they were a real gross garage rock band they played like the cheapest fucking instruments like the fucking austin telecasters and shit which you can get for like a hundred bucks and some change at like you know a fucking tourist trap on beale street yeah you know all that but they all went to wash you right i used to always joke that they broke up because they all got great jobs at GlaxoSmithKline. you Ooh. know and and like i still think styrofoam like i think that's a it's, it's I, a, i'll put that on there once while i'm like man they fucking had it yeah i think styrofoam is a great little release I have the I still have the little cassette tape that has their a cover of Thunderbird. Yes, and at their record release show, they were passing around bottles of Thunderbird, and I, and, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, no wonder why bums drink this. It really does make you forget <laughs> anything else is going on because it's so bad. Yeah, no, it's not. And good. you know, I remember going the Handlebar. Yeah, which is like the er like hipster bar here in St. Louis. Still, I want to say. Yeah, it's a it's a bar themed around bikes. Yeah, but like it was also where the like. If you worked at Urban Outfitters, that's where like you hung out. Yeah. And it was like a, you know lots of jokes about doing coke in the bar, in the ba- not in the bar, but in the bathrooms at the bar. I think one of my proudest moments was some girl that I had met at Electric Six show. Yeah, texted me and she was like, "Oh, you should come out the handlebar." And I was like, "I don't know." I was at the Royale because Bruiser Queen were spinning a D- like oh, a DJ night. Great. And I was like, "I don't know. Come out over here to the Royale because it's not you know like." really cool shit's going on way cooler than whatever's going on handlebar and like driving into the grove i because you know, i was hard up for any attention for women at that point i was definitely uh, a sad sad man sure. for that like very short period of time <laughs> that this was going on and i remember like parking in the grove walking over to the handlebar and like realizing it was one of those fucking like night life things where they oh. got some photographer and i'm like dj clockwork i know he ties money from this to like his fucking mega church out in chesterfield hey, fuck this yeah hurts so many f- they did the fucking indian summer thing mm. like i'm not and like and like this fucking kid oh and like they a, had the temerity to call it fucking london calling yeah london calling that's what that fucking terrible thing was called and i'm like i'm not in this like fucking kid like you know in the fucking urkel glasses and a bow tie <laughs> it's like it's a 15 dollar cover and I just remember looking at him and go, I would never pay a cover to come into this fucking shit stain. And like I turn around and there's all these people in their nice little perfect hipster outfits, their yeah. fucking bands around their forehead or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just all look terrified at me. This grumpy shithead in a hoodie with a, <laughs> you know, with a fucking plaid shirt underneath and wearing jeans that he got from a fucking thrift store. Right. Just being like, no. Right. I don't want, you know, and. And I was like, yeah, I'm never, I would never pay to go into this fucking place. Are you fucking kidding me? You're not wrong. I owned, think that's which a, is, and that place is owned by the chick. 
that had the fucking fake communist bar on oh, Cherokee Street. Yeah. The hell, the fucking Soviet era fucking <laughs> propaganda. And then these cute little cocktail signs that said, this is just for aesthetic reasons only. We don't actually endorse any of the ideas or right. ideologies being presented here. Right. Because if they did, which, you'd be on which, the... <laughs> uh, which, uh, street, street Fight, Street Fight. Yeah. perform there and we're like the fuck is this like complained about there's a whole entire episode where they complain about how fucking shitty that their like little performance there was <laughs> fucking a uh, i knew brian was a stand-up guy the hipster runoff piece that i always remember though it's the one that I, i'm probably going to reference more often than not it's uh, carl's has an epiphany about the beatles because- <laughs> vaguely remember this he has an epiphany about the Beatles because Pitchfork finally reviewed them. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I won't even go into the whole like reading it thing, but it's just it's, it's I finally feel like the Beatles are relevant to They're me. They're a band worth blogging about. Yes, they are now. <laughs> this was 2010, you know. <laughs> so he knew in a in a really odd way, like what would get eyeballs on a on a post? Posting about the early days of Lana Del Rey, calling her Princess Lana BB. There was a, even a great post mortem on Lana Del Rey's first appearance on Saturday Night Live, which, if you remember, was a disaster. Yeah, she barely moved. She was in this like awful looking dress. Was there like and... some weird lights around her? Oh or yeah, something? It, it was a whole mess. Right. I remember. I remember one time someone played me like a chopped and screwed version of video games. I'm like, I can't tell the. The, the song moves at a glacial pace. The whole record does. Yeah. Jeez, it's a it's a song you play when you can't find barbiturates, but you want the same vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in a postmortem of that Saturday Night Live appearance, uh, he went into this entire diatribe about the attention based economy, and it really felt felt like he was pulling back the curtain a little bit. Like, I've just been trying to do this for clicks, and you know, yeah. maybe I don't even like Lana Del Rey. Like, just uh, walking back some of his early stuff. Because at a certain point, they even renamed the site the Lana Del Report. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and Amazing. Doing, like, daily posts only covering her. And Carl's actually posted uh, about that, you know, saying uh, the opinions that I have on bands are not actually my own. And my goal is to preserve a relationship with readers or bands slash artists based on editorial pandering. All I can do is go down in flames with my sweet Princess Lana BB, my demented online personality that motivates me to type these words in in order to accumulate hits, empathy, praise and controversy does not have much time left and that was 2012 not yeah it wasn't wrong i mean he's kind of cutting into something here because so much of music journalism particularly the the blog stuff mm-hmm. was really fucking sucking the corporate dick well it was also very shallow very shallow there wasn't and much... people i mean i've talked about this but people hated me that, that i was contrarian about anything like right. i would be like i don't think that's i don't think they're being sincere i think it's you know this idea is bullshit and some, you know, I was usually right. I actually, I remember, I remember you telling me that was one of the first things you liked about me was yeah. that I didn't fucking pull any punches. No, because it, that's refreshing. Like uh, this was, you know, you and I met at a time where hipster off was still running. Yeah. So you know that was about the time where I was 
getting really fucking tired of you know hearing whoever talk gosh about i mean I, if i really sat here i could think about like local bands that everyone was lying up the fucking gag down their fucking demon wasn't there demon lover wasn't that one of the things i actually like demon lover I so so i saw them i saw them once and they did like a weird like art house remix of like a nelly song and then had one of the girls from dub nub get on stage and she didn't know what to do and i'm like this is a this is a fucking train wreck that might have been an off night because I mean I I had seen Demon Lover a couple times but anyway that, that, yeah, yeah. The, that that's that's a matter again music being subjective and all sure but like yeah why are so but and so others, so I mean, popular no not yeah. and this is I mean I'm gonna actually say something about a band that I think's really good I remember when people thought that fucking Sleepy K was gonna cure fucking AIDS yeah. You know, people, I was like, you know, I thought they were, they were, you know, in their little loft on Cherokee Street, <laughs> synthesizing materials and being like, you know, if we can get these proteins to bond. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, Evan Salt was in Harvey Danger and he kind of knew the industry and he kind of knew what was going on and Paige is no slouch either. So like, sure. These are people who have been around the block before. It's not like they were brand new. No, no, but, but, but there was or, something weird for a minute where I'm like, they're really, they're really fucking good and they're nice people. There's a certain limit I think you hit where you're doing too much. Sure. Um, and so we're getting into scene politics, but but, but this is ex this is related to because this was kind of this was a smaller stage extrapolation of a lot of the stuff that was being that's true. expressed on that's hipster a, runoff. That's a fair point. So Carl's apparently invented an entire genre, chill wave. You chill mentioned wave. it before. <laughs> I remember on my old website, I actually had a post that I put up in the summer of 2010 that was chill wave is not a real genre. Well, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think like the lead foe of that was like Toro Wai Moi or whatever yeah. the fuck they yeah, were yeah. called. Yeah, and Which well, I, they're a fun band to see. Yeah, really yeah that Carib they opened up for Caribou. Caribou yeah, yeah. Was I was like, at that one. I think I was at that show. That was a fun show. Yeah, it was fun. I think that was like the last time Caribou played St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, wouldn't oh, that was that was that great time of indie bands that were, like were just one word and it was named after an animal. There was like Caribou. There was like yeah. Tortoise. Yeah. Oh, Tortoise kicks ass. Yeah, Tortoise kicks yeah. ass. I'm not saying any of these bands were bad, but that was just like a thing that was going on. Yeah. Vulture did a piece also uh, called "Watching Hipster Runoff Eat Its Own Tail," which is a, a great headline and also. A thought that I hadn't had until I read this piece, and I want to definitely give credit to Rob Trump. Folks. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to give credit to Rob Trump for making the connection between, well, let me just read you his words. I should note that Hipster Runoff was not the first website to mock the self-important stupidity to be found on the internet. Writers at Something Awful had been doing it for years, even in character as teenage hacksaw Jeff K. <laughs> or grumpy old man Cliff Yablonski. What set HR apart from his predecessors was the relatable humanity at the center of it. As insufferable as Carl's was, the more hipster runoff you read, the more you sort of loved him, and it didn't hurt that the website's author was pretty clearly incorporating pieces of his own real life into the satire. And that is something, of, as far as analysis goes, that I hadn't really even... Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed Hipster Runoff purely on a surface level. You know what I mean? Like, I hadn't really got to that much thought into it. For me, it was a little different because, like, I, I've kind of alluded to here, like, I would read Hipster Off and then I would go shoot that, that night. And be like, oh, this is what's going... Like, you know, uh, shooting, photographing, like, Lil B or photographing bands no one has thought about Yeah, in years. Just, you know... Um, man man or something 
and like kind oh, of see. Man, I really like. I like Man Man, man but like yeah. you, but that was they were part of that era. Yeah, Man Man are great. Much love to Man Man. Um, yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. those were very hot bands. Mister and- Heavenly. Or whoever you know. fucking heavenly. Yeah, Michael Sarah's uh, band there. I remember going uh, in the green room at, at the Firebird, talking to Nick from Islands, and I remember him. Me and him. I was telling him how I really loved the Human Highway project that he did a couple years ago with some Guthrie progeny, mm-hmm. and he was just like really excited that anyone remembered it. <laughs> but I just remember him talking to me about he was holding a massive like restaurant size. So there we go. That's the word jar. Okay. Jar is the word I'm looking for here, folks. Really, really racking my brain here. Scraping the bottom of that barrel, buddy. (laughs) I'm tapping on the glass and the goldfish is just like not even registering. Nope. Goddamn long COVID sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, so he's holding this giant, like, has to be like a fucking gallon sized jar of like Mount Olive pickles. Hell yeah. To his chest. Like, it is. Like if he drops it, the world is yeah, going to he's, end. He's got it. And he's clutched. just like, dude, I really. He's like, I'm really, really glad you liked that. And I, I hopefully we get to do another one. Something. I just think it's a solid project. You know, great show tonight. He's just like, just tight to his chest. Oh yeah. man, thanks. Like I get out to the van. And I'm like, hey man, safe travels. It's his like, emotional security pickles. I don't know. Emotional <laughs> security jar pickles. I I can see it too because I've seen Nick do a couple of shows. Yeah, like just like. It's painted a picture in my mind. It's so beautiful, but uh, yeah, no, it was just but <laughs> but like moments like that is like a hipster runoff moment where yes, you're trying to be very yes. sincere with someone, but they're also doing something really weird. And I remember also one time someone having Yingling in the backstage, and yeah. I was like, I've never had one before. Yeah, I'll give you five bucks for one. Okay, and them just being like, I'm good, and I'm like, but we can't get that here. Yeah, and I've never had it before, and I'm, I'm and I was a. Fr- part of my life where like i will dr- i want to drink i want to drink right. all the time to quiet the voices yeah and uh i can't remember who it was but that was a very hipster runoff kind of moment just being like hey <laughs> you have something that's very scarce in this region i'm willing to pay you over market value for it and they're being like no i'm sorry yeah. you're you're plebly in here in the midwest while i go back to new york where i moved to from another shithole i moved to New York City from a shithole like St. Louis. Right. I came from Why would I, Peoria yeah. or Sheboygan, uh, Biloxi, <laughs> Hackensack, you know. Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, We're really digging on Jackson, Woo! Mississippi. Yeah, just get them. Get, uh, get, get, get their asses. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a hipster runoff uh, subsite that started showing up is the Alt Report. You remember this? Brian? Remember the Alt Report? The Alt yes. Report was even bloggier and even less writing. There would yeah. often just be like an image, I, and I think the M eighty three post was an Alt Report. Was post. it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, Carl's decided, oh, I got to play both sides. So he created a character called the Mainstreamer. <laughs> <laughs> the mainstreamer posted in Comic Sans, <laughs> and it was like, "Oh yeah, King's Leon's really good," or whatever. The mainstreamer was a little bit more vitriol, though. I felt like the mainstreamer was definitely Carl's reacting to like the hipster runoff audience not getting that this was a joke. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, you want a joke? I got a whole fucking, you know, it, it it felt mean almost in the way that Buddy Head was mean. Yeah. Mean for a purpose, sure, but still mean. Alt Report and the mainstreamer were like, oh, link bait. They would figure out what 
what was going to get clicks that day, like, oh, Animal yeah. Collective or whatever. And they'd post a link about it, but it would just be like a picture. There would not, there'd be nothing there. And they were successful in that way of like getting attention. 16 years later, you can see Pitchfork doing that now. So it's just, it's one of those things. Like, in Carl's own words from the Vulture article, I have a blog called Hipster Runoff. Every day I wake up, open my laptop, and type words that are stored in the internet as content, his quotes there. My goal is to, quote, get as many hits as possible because I metaphorically, quote, have mouths to feed. I realize that at this point it doesn't matter if my content is, quote, premium, pseudo-brilliantly written web underscore prose, or just, quote, link bait wave. I was fortunate enough to have not gotten lost in the long tail of indie music, plus Gen Y opinion-driven coverage blogs. Every day I prey upon different buzz topics, exploiting my voice, but more importantly, my position as a, quote, recognized outlet, the number four buzz, to try to trick people into thinking I am, quote, relevant, which basically just means that I am trying to make people talk about my blog and get them addicted to my web brand. He goes on for another five fucking paragraphs, but I'm not going to read the rest of it. But the, yeah. He's being very honest. <laughs> like, this is cynical. I'm doing this for clicks. All the people that were doing it, you know, for real, like, to say, doing it with a straight face, yeah, were being deep down just as cynical. Right. But they were never going to admit it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's part of why blog culture collapsed, is because no one can keep up the facade for that long. I kind of realized that early on, like when I was yeah. writing about my photography and all that on my old website and kind of just used less text and just posted photos. And like, it's kind of weird going back and like looking because I'm like kind of reposting some things on my new site, amusicphotography.com. And I remember like I was going through Angel Olsen the, when I photographed oh, yeah. her, like I think first performance in St. Louis. Oh, early days. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, you know. Almost exactly 13 years ago. It was like uh, February 2013. Didn't write a lot. And I thought I had written more when I was like looking through that text. And I wrote like, you know, said some really nice things. And it's really not hard to imagine her becoming something more than she is now. And I was like, huh. Yeah, I was right about that. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was like playing to like, and she was opening up for a band, the Water Liars, who are great, but like haven't really done anything in a while. And like, yeah. You know, that was some dudes from Humdrum, I mm -hmm. think. And, yeah. you know, they were real buzzy. They had they had a bit of a buzz. They had the old babies all you know. the old babies. Yep. Uh, throwing their uh, am appy leggings <laughs> on stage. <laughs> but like, you know, a lot of, not a lot of but Angel Olsen, obviously, like yeah. playing big rooms and having a really lovely career. But like but, but there was like uh, Andrew W.K. I remember photographing Andrew W.K. and fucking hating it. Right, just photos. Didn't write anything. I don't. Yeah. I think I wrote like it's some, some text, so it would have some SEO. Right, it was mostly just like this show sucked. This crowd sucked. Dudes were trying. I remember all these dudes trying to force drinks on the underage chicks. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. And Andrew K like wouldn't come out and talk to people. Hmm. Um, like he just hid in the green room, and then he didn't realize that we don't give a shit. So we all just sat outside the green room, trapping him in there. <laughs> I was like, all right, Keith, Kyle, or whatever your fucking name is. And there's no way out of that green room. If no, I no. It, yeah. I've I've spent a lot of time painting that green room. There's no escape, even if you got into the drop ceiling. There's one way out, and you got to go through people, yep. Yeah, so that was kind of funny. I remember his tour manager was shitty. Uh, 
Cyburns, who was also his <laughs> keyboard player. Like, you guys got to go and I'm being like, well, we all know, like, the venue owner, and that's one of the venue owner's fiancés. So, uh-huh. like, yeah, this ain't really. Ain't I think we got bored because we heard there was somewhere that was we could go drink afterwards. Perfect. I think Hipster Runoff was very indicative of a time and a place, and I think that we, as a culture, have have evolved past the need, I guess, because we got a million different hipster runoffs on Twitter every day. What was now scarce is abundant. Right. I think, I mean, everyone can be a smarmy, maybe uh, too clever by half person and get a thousand followers for reposting pig poop balls. Right. And uh, saying Jordan Peterson has no dick and uh, saying that Donald Trump invented Gamergate or something or Donald right. Trump was the first guy to de- demystify Gamergate <laughs> or you know some weird like like fucking the shit that got Playo fucking done in <laughs> right it's yeah. we've gone from hipster and off which was a niche to begin with but now like I said there's a million of them all on Twitter and the timing now I'm thinking about it 2013 2014 2015 that's right around when Twitter was starting to kind of hit that big upswing. Well, it was really um, goat seeing the Iranian <laughs> uh, student revolution with the fake Hoobastank. Right. I think that was the first time. Like I, like I had because I had like a, my brother's friend was a VP at Twitter. I knew of it. I think like my oldest account is like an 07. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I had one in. 2010 yeah, yeah. It took me a while so like i knew about it and didn't really fuck with it because i didn't understand it and then when as a music photographer like twitter was a really great way of getting my stuff out there i, I was really late to instagram because i thought it was kind of i thought i thought instagram was lame still do yeah. and uh yeah. uh didn't really get on instagram until like 2013 and um I think really for me, what made what validated Twitter like as a real like a town square or something was Ferguson. Yeah, so that was almost ten years ago. Yeah, and uh, like oddly enough, like Twitter and Vine were probably the two social platforms that did the best job of, of getting that information out there, like what was going on on like West Florissant, what was going on like culturally, locally in St. Louis. You know, it was it was a nice uh, you know flip from you know the weird twitter drill talking about logging off and (laughs) right i mean it was really it really was kind of just like people trying to wee tap each other on the internet for years and then ferguson happened i think it became like a really more legitimate thing oh did you see that someone was going through deray's tweets and seeing all uh, retweeting all the times that he he mentioned excel no, <laughs> dude, dude was really, really in love with Excel for a while. It's well, really, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a everyone has a phase, right? <laughs> everyone, 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 everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was really, you know, my first office job, I was really Excel curious. I got, I got introduced by an older office worker, you know, we just into Excel. <laughs> who, who told you you could do dates like this? An older worker, an older coworker, told me to do it, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Yep. I'll never do it again, sir. Exactly. Well, Brian, are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm always ready for some gross shit. <laughs> <laughs> and now the moment you've all been waiting for. Shock.jpg. This goes by the name of Fukuona Shoju O3, translating to "Unfortunate Girl O3" in Japanese. Uh. Japan. Created by W V V 
Windows Me, so Windows Me, posted on Pixiv May of 2012. 4chan, of course, big on this because it intersected with a lot of their interests. Uh, Are you familiar with this? I'm not. I mean, I'm 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 familiar with like these long form gifs. Mm-hmm. Well, this one in particular, particularly disturbing. <laughs> it is very well animated. I will give you this, and it is a. Huh. Her clothes are gone. Her clothes are gone, and now so is her skin. Oh, well, that's like degloving a hot dog. Yes, but it's very distressing. <laughs> I'm much further away from the monitor than you, so it's just kind of like, oh, that's that's ups- that's gross and bad. yeah. It 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 includes. There's no, there, unfortunately, there's no ah factor yeah, to this. There one. is no there is no sound. There is no. It's just strictly a looping gif of a young anime girl. Uh, getting hit by lasers and then it pulling her skin off, uh, which, which includes uh, the 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 butthole uh, trailing her intestine behind her. It's, what way way nice little detail? Yes, it's <laughs> extremely graphic, very bizarre. Um, why the fuck this exists? I still don't understand. But like, uh, I mean, the internet. I know, but come on. <laughs> I know that can't be the answer for everything, but it's just like, yeah, I mean. That's that's pretty jacked up. Yeah, I mean the the gif ends with her vomiting and dying. Huh. <laughs> like, like all great works of like art. Like all yeah, well uh, God, if only Lydia Tarr had vomited and died at the end of Tar, that would have been a good movie. But uh <laughs> Right? No? Okay. Yeah, oh, I haven't seen I haven't Tar seen yet. It. Okay, I haven't seen Tar yet. So uh, uh what streaming services is it on? Um good question. I do not know. I uh got it from a friend's plex. Oh. Um, so, yeah, th- there's a lot of comments underneath this one saying, you know, I was 13 when I saw this and I will never forgive the Internet for it. Sometimes you can even, you know, trigger someone who's seen it before with just the still image, you know, um, and, and they're like, no, please, God, don't don't show me this again. Um, it definitely appeared a lot on 4chan. This was one of the ones that made me really stop and consider if I'm ever going to expand a link again on a, on a, if I'm on a 4chan yeah. thread uh, because it was used a lot. It was used a lot. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no warning of what's coming. It's, it is weird. You know, it's a anime girl in a machine, but you don't know what the machine's going to do. And at first it's like, Oh, there are her clothes. Like you said, Oh, her clothes are, are stripped off. But then it's like, Oh, but that's also her skin. Um, so <laughs> gross. So yes, uh, <laughs> beautiful girl. Or no, what was the? Now I, I lost. Unlucky it. girl or Un, something. Uh, it was unfortunate girl. Excuse me. Oh three. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this was not the first or the last. The unfortunate hmm. girl series. I am not interested in finding out what else. <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, another comment here. There's like five or six of them in total. Even one where she's eating ice cream. So kind of wish I'd seen that one instead. <laughs> but the ice cream is piss. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's doo-doo. It's, pee- oh, no, it's doo-doo pee-pee. <laughs> oh, no. Jason, I told you. <laughs> no more doo-doo. No more, no more pee-pee poo-poo. Nope. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 that. Um, it's time for the breath mint because, boy, I need Oof. one. Yee, baby. Yeah, they gave up. The new... MS Paint Wrecker is out. Okay. Post American. It came out last Friday on the tenth. Mm. I gotta spend some time with it. I think it is really fucking good. Um yeah. 
I think the guy from Military Gun, which is a very hyped band at this moment, uh, produced it. And what's interesting about it is that they went and re-recorded some of the songs that were on their uh, EP mm-hmm. that came out in 2020, the self-titled EP. Yeah. And it's a mixed bag on those. I think it was smart to do, if they're going to include those songs, to record them with the current production values. Right. Um, but there was some mix and production choices and some aesthetic choices I don't necessarily agree with for those songs in particular. The original EP kind of has like a lo-fi, a little bit of crunch to it. And a little it, it, it comes off a little amateur in a way that's not bad that's actually like really like this is exciting kind of like feels this, like a punk record almost yeah well it's it's that they're trying something different and there's a there's an energy here that's really nice and the new versions of songs like post-american or um hardwired they kind of lost a little something and the selection of tracks that uh create this record it makes sense Okay. Um, there's some new songs on there. Um, Titan of Hope I've talked about is mm-hmm. a fucking banger. Um, Free from the Sun is might be the best record or best song on the record. Um, I've really enjoyed it, and I hope that you know when they get around to recording their second record, it's just as good, if not better. They got a seven point four on Pitchfork, hey. which uh, which is. God, it's when you get into the sixes is that when Pitchfork is literally trying to kill you. <laughs> they got blog buzz, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, if it's a because it, most stuff is at least a seven on Pitchfork. So if you yeah. get below that, uh, the six seems to be the death zone. Yeah. If you get like a four or five, then it's just you just, you know, maybe people will still give you a shot, but no one wants to spend their time for a six. No. Well, Alkaline Trio... One of their early records got like a one. Yeah. But but that fucking reviewer has since recanted and be like, no, this album's actually like an eight and a half. <laughs> so fucking nerd. I know. I fucking want, want to throw his <laughs> iPad in the fucking mud I'm and telling stomp you, on it. Just get him out of here. Get him out of here. <laughs> um so that's great. Mm-hmm. Um go listen to Post American. It's mm-hmm. really awesome. I have been really enjoying the hell out of it. I've been um also, I've been listening to anything else new. I've been kind of fucking boring and lazy. Fucking uh, Last of Us finished. Yep. And, I uh, just started it. So, well, like I told you, I, <laughs> I, I wait for a series to end and then I'll start it from the top. And uh, I'm two episodes in and I'm really enjoying it. I'm really sad that Anna Torv had to, uh, had to leave. But I know I played the game. I know Tess has to be one of the first main characters to kind of really bite it. So it, it wasn't a surprise, but it was very effective the way it happened. I'm very excited to see how the rest of it plays out because I really liked how everything was done in a way that's familiar, but it's still new. Mm-hmm. That was neat to me. I I, I think uh, I think they did a very good job being true to the source material, but also expanding on what you can do with it in a different medium. Yeah, definitely it kind of loses a little bit of steam near the end. Um, but I feel like the story in the game does too. Right. I think when you get to David, the cannibal, it kind of loses. It's, it's, there's, it's, there's peaks and valleys. Yeah, it loses for itself sure. for a second. And the final episode is actually, the, I think the shortest one, in the entire season It's like 45 minutes. Yeah. Somebody mentioned it feeling rushed, very rushed. Huh? It was neat. Like in it, um, it did some stuff I really liked and, 
Pedro Pascal really threw down some acting chops in this episode. Um, but, and I mean, the ending hits just as hard when Ellie says, okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my poor girlfriend doesn't know what happens in the second game. Um, I remember my girlfriend saying something like, I hope Ellie doesn't end up and do bad things. And I'm oh, like, yeah. well, you don't want to spoil it, but you also want to soften the blow a bit, I guess. Yeah. You, uh, I was like, well, in the second game, some really rough stuff, but you can meet Dina and Dina's a fantastic character. Dina's and, great. Yep. Um, uh, you see more of Tommy. I love Tommy. Everything about the second game is recontextualizing what happened in the first from different viewpoints, and I think it's a again, it's a fantastic story. I understand there's some distance between like how violent the gameplay is, and then how emotional and how much pathos are in like the cutscenes and the actual story, which is I think why it works for television in a way that it maybe didn't in the yeah. gameplay because there's no dissonance. It's 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 as violent as it needs to be for the show, right. and there's definitely some some good violence if you're looking for some some blood on the screen. Oh god, that first episode where Joel beats the the Fedra guy to death with his bare hands and breaks his knuckle <laughs> like oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah no, the, it I, i'm amazed how they were able to cover so much in that first episode and not make it feel rushed no it definitely the, the pace was right on yeah. at least in those first couple again i i, I still haven't it's, got it's really good front to back yeah. um i i really enjoyed it but yeah i'm i'm really waiting for them to, for the second season i'm waiting for them to tackle because yeah part I, two is harrowing yeah and i told my girlfriend like hey we can i have part two on my playstation we can play it together and you can see what what's coming and she's like i, I kind of want to like not know and i'm like okay it's fair that's like not reading ahead in the walking dead comics i think they're different experiences yeah still getting through the first season succession okay um have you found the MacGuffin or the the, the bit uh, you were looking like for? It's just like there's just some really terrible people. Yeah, yeah. Have Have you watched it? I like I said, I I've watched the first couple episodes and I kind of dropped off. Uh, I I I think something else came up and I was like, well, I'll watch this later. The uh, the character Tom, the guy who who plays him, whose name escapes me at this moment, really just has like the intensity of Kevin Spacey nailed down. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's, it's like if this is like what John Doe from seven was doing before he decided to kill people. <laughs> okay. Sh- Siobhan's husband. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a fucking maniac. Yeah. And, me and my girlfriend's just been saying, you try to fuck me, pig man! <laughs> over and over. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Matthew McFadden, the guy who plays. Okay. Tom. Yeah, real. Because from what I remember, yeah, he's a real, <laughs> real dick. And yeah. And it's great. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It's just like watching people behave badly and also thinking that logan might still be like the most reasonable person in the whole entire family which is baffling but also entirely possible yeah <laughs> which i think is the main tension of the show that and and you know roy or what is it, is it roy what's the his brother yeah yeah i think his brother's roy yeah uh, <laughs> uh cousin craig's grandpa yes <laughs> what a that's that's one I really do want to get back into because I love Brian Cox as the patriarch of that family. He's he's just he's grumpy he's in all the best ways. Yeah, he he sells it. Um, yeah, amazing performance from him. Like he 
he really can make it look like there's no light between those behind those eyes when he's being when he's going through his health troubles and like you know it was a little tough for me because it reminded me how my grandfather was near the right. end of his life yeah. and i was like wow he he really fucking nailed it like in an upsetting way yeah there definitely is a verisimilitude to the way the show is not only shot but like the way that all the characters kind of are portrayed even uh the, the calkin kid yeah he's the Roman. slime thank you he's the slimy prick but he does it so well and i feel like yeah i kind of know that guy i know yeah. that, i know there's guys like that I feel like I went to high school with a couple of those guys. I went to high school with a couple of Romans. You know, uh, you might be doing a podcast with one. Hey, yo! yo. <laughs> My dick also doesn't work. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's what the meds are for. <laughs> <laughs> what meds? I don't know. Doctors are holding out. <laughs> oh, they, they said they said he was too powerful when his dick worked. Uh oh. We have to we have to power cap him. <laughs> <laughs> I got no he was follow too up powerful to that when he could shoot white ropes <laughs> by just thinking about a brio he had once. <laughs> you're doing the Charles Xavier thing with two fingers at your head, and you're just, just shooting. Just the most pathetic Spraying. one pump out. Yeah. It looks. It looks like. It looks like someone was was trying to get the very little bit of ranch dressing out of the wishbone bowl. It's just a little spurt pathetic there's not even can you even taste it if you were put in your mouth (laughs) and now and now that our 40 listeners are wondering like so does his dick really not work or does it work because i was talking about just jacking off willy-nilly at the movie theater right Uh, it's it's not coconut oil no (laughs) listeners it's a mystery you'll have to only only a few select know the the uh the providence <laughs> of my boyfriend dick <laughs> I, I, you know it doesn't happen a lot but sometimes i just start saying things and i'm like i'm not gonna like what, what nope comes out <laughs> but you can't take it back now it's already it coming now. out it's all right no yeah. oh that's a sad phrase so i enjoyed over this past weekend uh not the Oscars themselves, but the on cinema at the cinema tenth annual Oscar special. Ooh. A three and a half hour brutal <laughs> brutal uh, comedy exegesis from Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington. So throughout season thirteen of On Cinema, there has been a singular tension and and it started early on where the Tim Heidecker character, again, Tim and Greg are playing fictionalized versions of themselves. The Tim Heidecker character uh, borrowed Greg's uh, VFA van, the VFA being the Victorville Film Archive, Victorville, small city in California, Mm -hmm. the Victorville Film Archive van that they were going to take around to all these different filming locations in California. Well, Tim borrows the van to take his awful band, Dakar, out on tour. They get about three days into the tour, but the Victorville Film Archive van is a modified van where it has no roof so that people can look out the the side, much like you would expect to see in a real uh, Mm -hmm. Maps of the Stars type of thing where you're going around in California. So because it has no roof, 
their gear got stolen. And they're having a real shitty tour. It's like two dates into the tour. And there's this terrible car accident. One of the band members is blinded. Tim loses all his teeth. And so he has to have these fake ones in for the whole rest of the season. Um, it's, it's physical comedy. It's, it's deep lore going back 10 years in this, in this show. And it all culminates every year with the Oscar special. Well, on this one, you know, Tim is being very deferential to Greg and calling him the king of movies and all this stuff. And But eventually, by the end of the, again, three hours of awkward, painful moments of just, it's a master class every year of, of sustained tension and release. And I yeah. think this one is probably up there in the highlight reel. Like they've done 10 of these and it's yeah. live every year. They do four hours and it's, you never know what's going to happen. I don't think half the cast knows what's going to happen except for Tim and Greg. Cause they have kind of an idea like, okay, this is what we're, going to do this is how it's paced out yeah it is probably one of the more interesting pieces but the problem is you have to if you've never seen it you have to go back to a podcast that was started as a goof by tim and greg and they establish these characters very early on that the tim character does no, knows nothing about movies and the greg characters knows too much about movies to the point where he's uh, annoying people with saying like how long a movie is Oh, the runtime of 97 minutes. <laughs> the minutia that nobody gives a shit about. Ugh. It's definitely an experience, but the problem is, like I said, there's a lot of material to cover. There is a nice website called the On Cinema Timeline where you can watch everything up until they left Adult Swim and they went out on their own, which has been about three years now. So you can watch up to season 10 on the web for free via YouTube uh, just to kind of catch up and get an idea of what's going on. Season thir- seasons 11, 12, and 13 have been on the High Network, H-E-I. That's the first three letters of Heidecker. They created their own streaming. Yeah. Thing. It's, it's an entire universe to get invested in because not only is there on cinema, there's also a sub-series called Decker. Where <laughs> yes, I'm aware of Decker. <laughs> okay. Well, Decker was the creation of the Tim Heidecker character trying to do his own version of like a burn notice but with like really awful effects and terrible acting. Joe Estevez is in it. It's something to behold every year, and this year is no exception. There's there's just this perfect moment at the end. And again, some of this without context is not going to make any sense, but he's been shown footage of himself intentionally crashing this van, and he's having an emotional breakdown in Pinocchio makeup. <laughs> he's trying to tear the Pinocchio nose off, crying. I don't want this. I don't want this. And then, out of nowhere, Brendan Fraser is just one best actor. (laughs) 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 It's just just shit like that just punctures the moment. It's so perfect. It just, I I cannot recommend it enough. I'm a big fan of that stuff. And then the other thing that I have been enjoying is obviously The Last of Us. We talked about that. but, But then there's a book that I started with uh, Mark Danieluski, the writer of House of Leaves, the book Only Revolutions. Brian, you have opinions about Danieluski. What's up? In my younger years, going back to the hipster runoff days, courting a young woman who had the logo as a chess piece. 
the House of Leaves look or the no, only the revolution only revolutions? <laughs> and then, um, like above her waistline, very skinny girl had show your bones and like horror movie font. Well, there's like a one that has like two circles. Yes, that's that's it's on the back. Of, oh, okay, uh, yeah, on the back of the book. And uh, I just remember just thinking like this is before I'd seen like a bunch of bad, easily regrettable tattoos. I remember thinking like, ooh. Ooh, that's not going to age well. And I definitely think getting a House of Leaves or an Only Revolutions or uh, the familiar tattoo is definitely a regrettable decision. I still think the way he plays with form and the way he kind of makes you recontextualize reading is at least interesting. Sure. Because Only Revolutions' whole uh, bit is that there are two, there's a front side and a back side to the rec- to the record, to the, t- <laughs> to the, the book. book. And you have to be switching between them to kind of follow the story in, in, in a more logical way. He was doing for straight prose what, like, Chris Ware was doing for comics. Yeah. He's experimenting and doing stuff with formalism and doing, you know, some stuff. I've liked a lot of his work. I think The Familiar is seven fucking volumes of that, and it's a little too much. I could not finish that, but, you know, House of Leaves, this, Thousand Year Knife... There have been a Has lot. Has he done other shit than since Only Revolutions? Because I feel like the last, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's he's done a, a, a several <laughs> books. Um, I remember, I do remember like a time like 2006 or 2007 where me and all of my friends were reading House of Leaves at the same time. Yeah. And uh, it felt very on trend. Yeah. Well, let's see here. He, he did a um, uh, an art exhibition called Throne. Um, he was working on. Let's see here. Only Revolutions. 50-Year Sword. I said 1,000-Year Sword. I don't know what the fuck I was saying. 50-Year Sword, um, which was a bit of a novella. It was like an adult ghost story. Um, but yeah, he's done a few things. But The Familiar has been taking up a lot of his time recently. And The Familiar is a originally supposed to be a 27-volume project. I have the first six volumes of them. I still have not finished volume one because it's dense. It's these gigantic volumes. I'm good. Yeah. I think, still, House of Leaves, probably his best work. I mean, if you're just putting it out there, that's probably going to be... If if there was one thing by the man I would suggest reading, it's probably that. Absolutely. And I feel like there's some asterisks on there, but... What would that be? It does fall apart near the end. I found... I found... Yeah, but I feel like that's by design. Uh, big spoilers here. Skip like a minute ahead. Yep. I felt the part where I like sat and read almost probably a third of it. I mean, you know, not every page is a full text, but I sat like on a couch and and read like a fucking shit ton of it in one sitting. And then I got to the part where the house sucked up uh, the, the brother, the brother in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And there was something about where I'm like, Huh. Yeah, this doesn't work for me. Put it down. Never oh. read a single page after that. Okay. Well, like it was like a full stop. There was no like I did not come. It was like I am I'm done. Like there was something like that felt really easy. Didn't feel clever like anything else that had come before. Mm. And I was like there's something about this that does not resonate okay. in a way that turned me off that like it has become a I, like, you know, like I, if I, you know, the thing about, uh, you know, if uh, you go back to 
someone's house and they have a- Ayn Rand on their nightstand, don't, <laughs> don't fuck, fuck them. them. Yeah, I feel that way about House of Leaves, and okay. I have I have definitely gone like, oh, I'm, I'm my tummy tum tum hurt. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Okay. But no, I, it does go on for a while past that, and there's there's more to it. Uh, Davidson does survive that moment. But anyway, it's a, it's a everything up until that point. I was enthralled. It had its hooks in me. Yeah. Something about that was like, oh, I'm back in reality, uh, and I'm gonna go outside and stare at the sun. Okay, okay. Well, um, to each their own. Uh, yeah. I I definitely thought it was a weak point, but it wasn't necessarily enough to stop me. I literally did. I definitely pulled an Xbox 360 and walked away. <laughs> You turned 360 degrees and walked away. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's I get that. That's that's for sure. Uh, but then that and and, and and I'm a guy that like was fucking reading Samuel Beckett in high school. So if you want right. to talk about dense, yeah, impenetrable like <laughs> prose, yeah, like I had I had a full heaping of it in my teenage years sure. reading Malloy and <laughs> the un the unnamed, yes, the yeah, unnamed the names, and yeah. Watt and all that. Um, so I had I, I was well versed in, in people <laughs> high off their own farts writing words. Right. Yeah. It, it, there's even a, a bit near the end where uh, Daniel Lewski becomes a character in his own story, which, uh, again, it, brief, thankfully. Uh, but the appendixes that they added in newer editions that had the poems that Johnny Sopano's mom wrote, that was yeah. kind of neat stuff. and. Um, there, there's a lot to like about the book. Like you said, the, the first half especially, very enthralling. But uh, Only Revolutions hasn't quite got the hooks in just yet, but again, I'm still super early on. I haven't really gotten to the meat of the book. So, But it's a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller than, than A House of Leaves. Well, that about uh, does it for the program, as, as far as I can tell, Brian. I think uh, I think we uh, put this baby to bed. Indeed we should. Smother it. <laughs> and and blame it blame it on the neighbor's pit bull. <laughs> that said, where can people find you online, Brian? Uh, if, if you're looking, if you're looking to frame your neighbor's pit bull <laughs> for killing a child, I'm, you can <laughs> can't even make it through that one. <laughs> okay. Listen, yeah. If you're tired of that dog barking all night, I got a solution for you. And you can reach me at ishotgidibor, that's I-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D, on Instagram and ye old Twitter. Um, if you want to check out my photography portfolio, it's assholemusicphotographer.com. If you want to see my barely updated music blog, what uh, has music photos yes. of people performing with their mouth open, uh, that's amusicphotographer.com. Um, Jason, where can they harass you? You can find me on Twitter and various other places at Video Crime, V-I-D-E-O-C-R-I-M-E. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok as at LaserGooseCEO. You can also find the show itself on TikTok and various other places at 48 Minutes of Dogs. That includes Twitter, etc. You can also shoot us an email, 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking at gmail.com. And you can... Shoot us a text. Give us a call. That's our phone number, 314-AHOY-POO. Or if you'd like to spell with your telephone, that's 314-246-9766. Well, Brian, we're going to leave you with a little bit of music, as we always do. This band's called All Love. Are you familiar with them? I'm not. This band's called All of Love. Really dig this track. It's called Really Bees. And uh, it's, it's just a nice little slice of uh, early 2000s, uh, I don't know, I don't know 
what you'd even call that, but it's it's a fun one. I had a lot of good times with it. From the record, Am. I don't know why I started playing that, but anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave you as we always do with our stern warning and our promise: Namaste and good luck. Bye bye. <laughs>